but I'm looking forward to this morning's message. I pray it would encourage some of us in a lot of different ways. One of the things I'm going to do a little bit different this morning for the sake of time. I'm not going to open with the reading of the passages I normally would, and I know you guys usually stand up for that, so I'm telling up front I would have to read all of at least all of chapter 4 and chapter 5. Um, and still only cover about half of us. What I will do is just read the text as we get to them this morning. But the Bible speaks, first off, of a special judgment that is going to be held for believers only. Anybody excited about the one called the judgment seat of Christ? See, that's where we're going to be. That's where the children of God, those that are redeemed, those that are washed in the blood, those that sins are separated, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be at that one because we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Our sins have already been dealt with. When we get to that judgment, it's not going to be a judgment of our sin. Anybody thankful that you're not going to stand in judgment of your sin? Anybody thankful that you're not going to stand in judgment of your mistakes and all your failures and not only the things of the past, but probably some things we've already done today and certainly will in the future. But God's grace is sufficient. I'm thankful that I'm not going to have to be dealing with my sin on that day. This is going to be a judgment for you and I, not only for the works that we did, anybody listening, but for the reason that you did it. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. If you were out there yesterday serving food, making meals, sweating your backside off, burning slap up, getting sunburnt so that that thin hair shows through, if you were doing it for anything other than the glory of God, you were there for the wrong reason. If you were there for anybody to see anybody other than Jesus Christ, if you were there, thank you very much. If you were helping, thank you very much. But let me give you some help in return. If you were there for Faith Baptist Church, you were there for the wrong reason. If you were there for the Baptist Church, period, you were there for the wrong reason. If you were there to be seen of friends or to hang out with a friend, you were there for the wrong reason. If you were there for anything other than the glory of God, if you were there for anything other than Jesus Christ himself, see, not only will your works be judged, but the reason that you did them is going to be judged. And the Bible says that those works are going to be tried in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 12. I know I told you Revelation, but I'll get back there in a minute. I got 66 books to work through to get there. It says, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But here comes, but he himself shall be saved. Yes, so as by fire. So we can clearly see that at this judgment, nobody's going to hell. We're not being judged for our sin. It is the work. This is the judgment of the redeemed. This is the judgment of the children of God, those that have been washed in the blood. But I can tell you it is very important. If you say you've been saved, act like you've been saved. If you say you've been washed in the blood, act like you've been washed in the blood. If you say you're a child of God, live like a child of God because how you live your life on the other side of salvation does matter. There will be a judgment day coming. There will be rewards given. The things done either done wrong or for the wrong purpose, there will be a loss. Psalms chapter 103 says, beginning in verse number 8, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Thank you, God. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Thank you, God. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, God. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and that will cast all, that, all their sins into the depths of the sea. For those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, our eternity, 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 eternal destiny, it'll come out in a minute, our eternal destiny is settled forever. Amen? Amen? God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this people. God, I pray right now, Lord, will you forgive us where we failed you, cleanse us of anything, God, that would hinder your Holy Spirit. From working within us, God, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for the way you moved in the song service. And God, I pray right now, God, if there's anybody in this place that's never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I ask you to open hearts and minds, God. I pray you'd reach out through the live stream and through the television, God. May anybody within the sound of my voice that's never trusted Christ, may they see the urgency of it today, God. I pray you'd open their eyes and their hearts, God. I pray you'd take the blinders off that the enemy has put there. Lord, I pray for everybody in this building, Lord. I pray you'd speak to each one individually, God. I pray you'd move in a mighty way. I pray you'd take your word and divide it up that everybody leaves here having heard something that would make us a better servant. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you know what somebody's talking about when they say something like streets of gold, gates of pearl, crystal sea? Anybody like that kind of terminology? Um, walls of jasper. You, you know what they're talking about when they say things like that? They're talking about a place called home. I'm excited about a place called home. I'm excited about a place called heaven. I'm excited about going to it is the land of the redeemed. But unfortunately, everybody's not going to be there. The great majority of what we know about heaven, we know because of the book of Revelation. Revelation gives us a lot of detail. It has information about the future. It has um, information about eternity. It has information about the final battles that will take place here on earth. It has information about the millennial kingdom. There's a lot of things there. It talks about the second coming of the Christ. It gives us the letters to the churches that we see, um, really the New Testament churches in the beginning. But as you read through Revelation, it's almost kind of like a back and forth scene. One minute you're in heaven, and, and one minute you might be looking at some kind of weird stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you get to that weird stuff, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you want to study Revelation, you've got to study Daniel. If you want to study Daniel, you've got to study Revelation. If you want to study all that stuff together, that's a pretty in-depth study, and the gates of hell will try to come against you when you study, but you've got to put them together. But when, you, when you're reading through Revelation, it's like you're in heaven for a minute, and then you're back on earth for a minute, and then you're back in the heavenly scene for a minute. And then you back down in an earthly scene for a minute. It's almost kind of like John, John was called up back and forth. Like he came up for visions and God showed him stuff here. And then he showed him things back there and then, and then back and forth. But here in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, the throne of God is mentioned 17 times. That's important to me. The number 17 represents victory. 
And see, what I think it says in those two is that God wanted John to know, God wanted me to know, and God wants you to know that no matter what is going on on the earthly scene, in the heavenly scene, there's still victory. No matter what's going on in your life, in your earthly scene, and all the distractions, no matter what's happening in your world, in the earthly scene, he's still on the throne in the heavenly scene. And I think just in taking a simple number 17, God is showing us that there is victory because he's still on the throne no matter what's going on right here on this earth. Amen? Anybody still with me? Revelation chapter 4, we see a throne of government. But then in chapter 5, we see a throne of grace. I like the throne of grace. Chapter 4, Jesus is worshipped as the Lord of creation. But in chapter 5, he's worshipped as the Lamb of Calvary. When you look in chapter 4, the residents worship him as the author of creation. Chapter 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Chapter 5, the residents of heaven singing a song. They're singing and worshiping as the author of redemption. It says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 9, that they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Somebody should have got happy right there. But also here in these passages, John gives us some unforgettable stuff. He gives us an unforgettable set of passages. He talks about a view of this unforgettable throne. You you look, the first thing we see is that there's a a mystery connected around this throne. Chapter 4 and verse number 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He that sat on the throne was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now when we think of the rainbow, we think of that half circle starts at the earth, stops at the earth, and it bears all seven colors of the color spectrum but that's not the rainbow of God that's not the rainbow of this heavenly scene the rainbow in this heavenly scene is of a full circle and it says that it is emerald in color but something else we see in verse number three that's a mystery there in the first part of the verse it says that God was like a jasper and a sardine stone that word can't be changed that word cannot be retranslated If you're holding anything in your hand that says anything other than stone, you're holding the wrong thing in your hand. It cannot be. It comes from a Greek word that simply means stone. See, it shouldn't come as a big surprise that it would picture God as a stone and it would talk about these two colors here with with the jasper and the sardine stone because everything that God did in the Old Testament was a forerunner to what was to come. Everything that God did in the Old Testament was setting the stage of things in the New Testament and setting up for all of eternity. In Exodus chapter 28, God gave Moses the instructions. He gave him the law, and he gave him the the things, the articles of clothing concerning the high priest. And he said of the high priest, one of the things that he had to make, one of the things that he had to wear was an ephod. The ephod was worn over the shoulders came down in the front. It had a pouch in the middle of it. The pouch had two stones called Urim and Thummim. Those were stones of decision. 
But the Bible says that the first stone in there was a sardine stone, and the last stone was a jasper stone. This is on the ephod of the high priest. The first stone and the last stone. Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. So we will see this stone crush all of his enemy into a fine powder. But then we have the mystery of those beings around the throne. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Look with me, Revelation chapter 4, and let's pick back up there in verse number 4. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face like a man, the fourth beast was like a flying eagle, and the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. What we can clearly see from these mysterious beings is that there are things about God that are simply too wonderful to be comprehended by man. There are things about this throne. There are things about this heavenly scene. There are things about God's presence and God's power that are simply too great to be understood by the human mind in its current condition. There's mysteries about God that we're never going to be able to understand on this side of glory. That makes them no less true. But what we do understand is that God is God, and God will be praised, and God will be worshipped. You can sit on a pew like a knot on a log if you want to. You can sit there in your silence if you want to. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to give him praise. You don't have to shout hallelujah. You don't have to do anything, but the rocks will cry out in your behalf. You sit there if you want to. God said all of creation sings. All of creation will praise me. And if you don't want to praise me, the stones will cry out on your behalf. But make no mistakes about it. God will be praised. If you want to get in on some of it, praise him a little bit. If you want some of the blessings, praise him a little bit. The Bible says that he will inhabit the praises of his people. You want him to invade this place? You want him to save lost souls? You want him to mend broken marriages? You want him to heal the sick in your family? You want him to reach down and restore your home? You want him to do that which is unthinkable? You want him to reach out and bring back the prodigals in your life? Praise him some. God will be praised. And he makes no part about it here in this heavenly scene. Then John gives us a picture of this unforgettable throne with this 
unforgettable mystery, but he also talks about this unforgettable multitude. In chapter 7, he tells us what he saw. He said, after this, I beheld, it means I saw, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I ought not even put this in there, but I'm going to. Right or wrong, I feel like the Lord puts it right there. I see it right there. I want you to look real close. I want, this is a picture of heaven. Everybody agree with that? This is what John saw when he's up there. Listen to what he saw. I saw a number of people that nobody could number, of all nations, of all kindreds, and people, and tongues, different languages, different colors, different backgrounds, Different people, all in one accord. And if you don't like that here, you ain't going to like that there. The Word of God is for every living creature to be one. Our job is to tell the world that we might grow the church, not Faith Baptist Church, but the church to become one in Christ. In chapter 19, it tells us what he heard. I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thunder saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And then he gives us this unforgettable thrill as Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, steps into the spotlight of eternity and becomes the center of every living thing. So not only is there a mystery about the throne, but there's a majesty about this throne. The number seven is completion and perfection in the Word of God. Everything about seven is completion and perfection. And what we have here is seven things about this throne. And I want to look real quick at seven judgments here that are surrounding this throne. The first thing we see there is a flawless judgment. We see that this throne is wrapped by a rainbow. This rainbow is a perfect circle. Many of us, when we do wedding ceremonies, we use this as part of the ring ceremony to talk about the perfect circle. That's what God is. He is the perfect circle, never ending, without beginning, without end, and never broken. That's what this judgment will be. This is a perfect judgment. On this day, there will be no mistakes. There will be no appeal. It will be a flawless judgment. The rainbow has to do with judgment, and the rainbow has to do with promise. See, God brought judgment on the world because of sin. Amen. That's right, preacher. I agree. The flood was because of judgment. The flood was brought because of the sins of man. God said that the sin of man was desperately, the heart of man was desperately wicked. This, this world was filled with sin. And so judgment was brought, but he also sent a promise. The promise of the rainbow says that I'm never going to judge the world that way again. I'm never going to do it like that. But make no mistakes, God will judge all of the earth. Everybody will stand before the judgment seat of God. Everybody who does not know Christ, here's the beauty of it. Those of you who have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, those of you who are the redeemed, those of you that are washed in the blood, it's just like being in the ark. You're going to rise above the judgment. You're going to be above. You're not going to be a part of that. We're not part of that judgment. Ours has already been done. Rewards has already been done. We've already sat down and had the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've already walked with Jesus as he held by our hand. We've already met John and Abraham. But most of all, we've seen the face of Jesus Christ. So this one doesn't have anything to do with us in this other judgment. But the judgment is coming. We were, where's Blaze? He's around here somewhere. Blaze and Lois, when we were up at the Creation Museum, they bought a couple of T-shirts. 
This T-shirt said, Taking Back the Rainbow. And it had a quote from the book of Genesis. We're eating breakfast the next morning. They had their T-shirts on. I'm sitting over here, and there's, by the door over in the corner, there's two men sitting over there at that table. These ain't fishing buddies. This ain't two men heading out to the lake and go catching fish. This ain't two hunting buddies that come together and they in the late summer, early fall, crying some pre-scout and going out to plant food plots. This is two men that are clearly sitting at that table inappropriately together. One of them gets up, comes over there to Blaze, says, you mind if I read your shirt? Blaze says, sure, he leans up. Guy sits there and reads it, walks back over and sits back down. I see him over there murmuring and talking, and I got to laughing. I thought, you ain't got to like it, but it's coming. You ain't got to like it, but you better learn from it because the rainbow don't belong to you. God said, I have set my bow in the heavens. You know, it's no accident that God allowed a sinful nation, a sinful act, a sinful thing to take that rainbow and use it as what they call their little sign because it is a sign of judgment. And you better bet all you got Judgment is coming, thus saith the Lord. It's coming. The bow belongs to God. The judgment will be perfect, and it'll be complete, just like the circle. But then we see these 24 thrones that surround the throne of God. The elders that are seated on these thrones, it says they're dressed in white, and they got crowns of gold on their head. These are creatures of high ranking in the government of God's ranking. They, they form this type of universal jury, if you will, but their job is not to decide guilt or innocence. That's up to God and to the blood of Jesus Christ. At this judgment, everybody is guilty. At this judgment, there is no pardon. At this final judgment, everybody that's there is condemned. And these high-ranking officials are there to make sure that God is worshipped through it all and that his perfect judgment is carried out. But then the third thing there in the text, this is a fearful judgment. You notice it says that there are thunderings and lightnings that proceed out of the throne. Remember when Moses was at Mount Sinai? And he went to get the law, the Ten Commandments. Remember when he got the law of God? And the Bible talks about it, Mount Sinai and the thunderings and the lightnings and all that went around. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 21, it says that the, the ter so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Those people who are living in this world now, those people yesterday who said, I don't want what you're offering. Those people who are laughing at Christians now. Those people who are condemning the word of God now. Those people who are saying, I'll live however I want to. This is my life now. Those people that are mocking God now. They can get away with it now. But on this day, there's going to be great terror. They're going to sit there knowing. They're going to remember the day they stood up there at a BP station on the corner and looked somebody in the eye and said, I don't want that now. Uh, maybe later I'll come back and get it. Maybe another day. Grew up in church. I've seen all of the hypocrisy. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Don't want anything to do with it now. They've heard the truth of the gospel. They know they heard about Jesus Christ. They know they heard about the Lamb of God. They know they've heard about redemption. They know they've heard about how to be saved. And they know that they said no. And there will be great fear and trembling because they know what's coming next. The fourth thing we see is it's going to be a judgment of facts. There's not going to be any speculation. There's not going to be any 
circumstantial evidence. This will be a, a judgment of simple facts. Verse number 5 goes on to say that there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. The righteous shall be the girdle of his loins or righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. God is seated here on this throne. He is the prosecutor. Everyone who does not have Jesus Christ as their defense attorney. It's a lost cause. If Jesus Christ is not your propitiation, if he is not your defense counselor, if he is not your attorney on your side in defense of your sin, you better get a new counselor today because you're going to need Jesus Christ. God knows every evil thought, every evil deed, every evil word spoken out of every man, woman, boy, and girl. He knows the time you did it, the place you did it, the reason you did it. He knows the incentive. He knows the motive. He knows everything about it, but he also knows the consequences. Everybody today talks about a fair trial. Everybody wants a fair trial. Can I go ahead and tell you right now that the absolute last thing I want when I stand before God is a fair trial. I do not want fairness in the equation because fairness says Donald Yancey is going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not look back on the face of Jesus. I don't want a fair trial. A fair trial says I'm lost in my sin. I'm lost in my iniquity and I have no way out. I am guilty as charged. Make no mistakes about it. I have sinned before God. I've made mistakes in my life. And a fair trial condemns me to hell. I don't want a fair trial. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 12, or chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. John chapter 3, Jesus said in verse number 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't want a fair trial. I want grace. I want mercy. I want forgiveness. I want the hand of a loving God to look down through the blood of his son and wash away all my sins. But those who think they want a fair trial, that's a fair trial they're going to get. They're going to be judged in their sin. They're going to be condemned in their sin. And they're going to be sent to hell in their sin because they rejected the free gift of a loving God. I don't want a fair trial. The fifth thing we see here is this is a fundamental judgment. God is the God of order. God does things in order. He's not haphazard and happy-go-lucky. Genesis chapter 3, we see the cherubim protecting. They, they're worshiping. This is God's creation rights. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the garden, and God put the cherubim with a flaming sword at the doors of the garden so that they could not go back in and eat from the tree of life. So we see the cherubim there. In Exodus, we see the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant. We see them with God's redemptive rights as their wings spread out and they cover over the Ark of the Covenant. They are executives of God's government. They make sure that whatever he says, that's what's going to happen. And nothing's going to change it. But then we see 
that the judgment is going to be final. John says that he saw a sea of glass. Is that what he says? You think about the sea. The sea is a picture of the world. The sea is constantly in turmoil, tossing and turning and waves and crashing up onto the earth and trickling back down. It's, it's a constant turmoil, kind of like life, always back and forth. That is a picture of this earth. But he said, I see a sea of glass. That means that it is permanent. Everything is perfect. Everything is calm. And everything is permanent. Those who have rejected the Son of God, they want a fair trial. According to what they have sown, so shall they reap. That's what the Bible says. As they reap, or as they sow, so shall they reap. The only thing I want sown on my behalf is God's mercy. God's grace. There's, there's not going to be any appeals in this day. There's no appeals court. There's no appeal to the Supreme Court. This is the Supreme Court. This is the final decision. This isn't going to be a judgment handed down with the death penalty. In eight years, nine years, 15 years, 20 years later, they die in prison under a death penalty because of all these appeals that kept going on. This is guilty, done, gone now. Over and done. It's going to be final. But then number seven, we look at this judgment. It's going to be a fatal judgment. This is the place of the second death. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. This is that judgment. Except the man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. He will not see the kingdom of God. We died in the spirit when Adam and Eve sinned. Except that spirit be born. We see that this is a fatal judgment. One of the things that you do not see in chapter 4, one of the things that you will not see present here at this particular judgment is a lamb. Again, shadow of the Old Testament. You look back at Genesis chapter 22. One of the things that young Isaac, he's talking, he said, Father, I see the knife. The knife is a sign of death. He says, I see the wood, the fire. The fire is a sign of what happens after death. He said, but where is the lamb? If there's no lamb present, it's trouble. He said, God will provide himself for a lamb. And there's no lamb present there in chapter 4 at this one. I thank God for the lamb. Anybody thank God for the lamb of God? <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, the lamb of God said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God, because of his mercy, his already extended grace by more than 2,000 years because of Jesus Christ. Now let's get a little more personal. God, because of his mercy, has already extended his grace by the span of your lifetime. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the only reason you are still alive is because of God's mercy. It is God keeping you alive long enough to hear about the blood of Jesus. 
If you've heard it before and you've never done it, you're walking on borrowed time. God doesn't never have to speak to you again. He said, I'll not always strive with man. You will not get saved when you want to get saved. You will not decide. I had people yesterday walk away. I talked to one man for 10 minutes. I all but begged him. I said, it breaks my heart to see you walk out. You know the truth. You grew up in church, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. You know you're lost. You know what you need. You've said it with your own mouth. You're going to walk out of here not knowing the truth. You're going to get in your car and drive out. You do not know if you'll live tomorrow. You think you need a little more time. You think you need to wait. You need to hear me, and you need to hear me well. This may be your last opportunity. This may be your last chance. I'm not some death sentence. I can't tell you you may die tonight. Oh, I got a good story I'll share with you in just a minute. I'm not going to tell you that you won't live through the day, but what I can tell you is if you live another 50 years, God don't have to reach your way again. He don't have to send the Holy Spirit to you again. He's reaching out for you now. He's done reach down into the gutters for you now. He's come to where you are now. He sent somebody that loves you in the name of Jesus Christ to tell you about him now. He wants to save your soul now. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. He don't have to reach your way again. There are people that pulled in and out of that parking lot yesterday in the same state, and God may never call their name again. I got a good story to tell you about that, though. That made me think about that. I'm talking to these two ladies and the lady in the passenger seat. She said, man, y'all are here again. She said, sure, it's good to see y'all out here again. We came here last year. She said, you remember me? I said, no, ma'am. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I really am. I promise. A lot of, lot of faces. But, I mean, we, we do this handing out barbecue. And she said, well, that, that's okay. She introduced me to the lady here in the driver's seat. And she said, oh, we watch you on TV. My, my daughter-in-law loves you. She said, can I get your picture? Can I get your picture? And um, I said, well, yes, man. She said, she's going to be so She's gonna be so happy when I tell her we met you. She said, Devil, let me take a picture. I step back, and then she sets me up. She says, oh, you a handsome devil. I said, you said that just to get me to laugh in that picture. I don't know what you're up to. The lady on the other side said, y'all were out here last year. I want to tell you something. We were driving by, and the sign said, free barbecue, and my uncle was with me. Now, I said, I'm going to stop. And get she said, he said, don't stop in there. You don't know what to do. She said, it don't matter. It's free barbecue. She turns up in there and pulls back up, and she talks for a minute. And she said, I had no idea what y'all were doing. But one of you came over, and you started talking about Jesus to my uncle. Y'all started telling him about the free gift. If you don't take this gift, it don't do you any good. If you don't consume with the gift, the gift is free. The gift is there. But if you don't use it, it does you no good. So is the free gift of God. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. You don't have to go to hell. You go there, you'll choose to. It's your fault. The gift is offered right here. Gift wrapped by God himself, handed to you on a platter full of blood with Jesus Christ. Watch away all your sin. Said, my uncle got saved. What a di- Here's what she said. What a difference a year makes. He died a few months ago. I said, ma'am, what a difference a day makes. Two days matter, the day when Jesus Christ said it is finished and the day when he saved our soul. Don't think it don't matter. Don't think it don't matter. We got a job to do. And our job is to tell people there's a judgment day coming. There's a reckoning day coming. Hell, one of these days I'm going to really get around to preaching the message. I ain't never wrote it. I just keep thinking about preaching it, that hell is not forever. It only gets worse. 
because the Bible says that death and hell are cast into the lake of fire where there is weeping and outer darkness and gnashing of teeth. It is sent solely, totally, completely away from the presence of God. Even though God's presence is everywhere, he will forbid his presence to be in the place where the lake of fire is. And forever they will suffer in the torment of hell. And they don't have to. Ezekiel said, if you don't tell them the truth, and they go there, the blood's on your hands. That's in the book. But if you tell them the truth, you do what you can, and they say what they say, blood's on their own hands. I thank God that he says that after all this is over, that he'll wipe away every tear. He'll remove all those memories from our mind. Because we know a lot of people We've known and still know a lot of people. Heaven just couldn't be heaven if I remembered where they were. We got one chance to tell them, and it's now. Faith Baptist Church, thank you for a barbecue giveaway, but it ain't enough. Thank you for united in Christ today, but it ain't enough. Thank you for judgment journey, for serving, and for all that you're doing, but it's not enough. Thank you for fruit of her hands and going out and handing out plates and telling people about Christ, but it's not enough. Thank you for he's alive and all the work that you put into it, but it's not enough. Thank you for being here in church on Sunday morning and coming to worship him, but it's not enough. It has to be our life. It has to be the way we walk. It has to be the way we talk. It has to be what matters. Everything in my life, let it be about Christ. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody to save my soul. Ever since he rescued me, Gave my heart a song to sing. Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. If we're living for anything else, we're living for the wrong reason. Could I have you stand this morning right where you're at? If you're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, if you're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, the one there for the redeemed, this morning's a really good time to say thank you. God will be praise let's don't be complacent over what god's done for us he didn't have to save us he chose to his mercy didn't have to keep us how many of you did he keep alive a long time before you finally accepted the gift god kept me alive and sometimes i should have been dead just to let me live long enough and can i tell you i walked away from a lot of opportunities but he gave me maybe been my one last chance i don't know but i know one thing it was a chance that mattered all my sins were washed away. Old things passed away. How many of you thankful old things washed away? Your life changed. Can you testify that God did something in you? Everything's different. You're a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things became new. Take some time. Tell him thank you this morning. Worship him this morning. Praise him this morning. Tell him thank you. He didn't have to. He chose to. God loves us in spite of us. And I ask you this morning, if I could have heads bowed, eyes closed. I know most of you are praying anyway. You're thanking God anyway. But I'm praying if there's one in this place this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, it does not matter how long you've been in church, 
been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. It doesn't matter how many times you've come to an old-fashioned altar. It doesn't matter how many times you've mimicked things with your mouth. It doesn't matter how many times you've thought through stuff. What matters is have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever asked Jesus to cleanse you of your sins, wash them away, and make you a new creature in Christ? Let me ask you this one. Have you ever prayed and asked Jesus to save your soul and everything changed? Anybody listening? You paying attention to what I'm telling you right here? You listen to me. I remember praying a lot of times for God to forgive me, but I had no intentions of changing the way I was acting. I remember asking God to forgive me for what I did last Friday, but I knew next Friday I was going to do the same thing. I remember praying with my lips a lot of times and nothing changed. I remember the day when my heart was broken by my sin and I prayed and asked God to save my soul and everything changed. I didn't want to go back there anymore. I didn't want to talk that way anymore. I didn't want to run with that crowd anymore. I didn't want to do those things anymore. I became a new creature in Christ. I began to want to fellowship with brothers and sisters. I began to want to be at church. I began to want to listen to gospel music. I began to want to hear things of God. I began to want to seek His time in prayer. I began to want to read God's Word because all things change. Do you have a day in your mind when everything changed? If you don't have that day, then you don't have the salvation because you know in your heart whether or not God changed you. You know in your heart whether or not you've been saved. While these are down here praying right now, I want to ask if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, are you willing to get it right today? There's going to be millions of people that are going to go to hell and every one of them will go because they choose it. You do not have to. Jesus Christ paid the price. Are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner? You must confess your sins. The Bible says it must be a confession with your own mouth. For all the sin that comes short of the glory of God, we know we're sinners. You must be willing to say, I'm a sinner. Are you willing to ask Him, Lord, will you come into my heart? Forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Listen to me. You're not buying fire insurance right here. You're not just looking, hey, save my soul, and I want to go back and live like the devil, and I'll see you when I get to heaven. That's not it. You're saying, I want to make you Lord of my life, not just Savior, Lord and Savior. I want to make you king. I want to make you ruler. I want to put you in the driver's seat. I've been here long enough. I've made a mess out of my life long enough. Lord, I'm asking you to take control of my life and be the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Save my soul and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to point you out this morning. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to do anything that would embarrass you. But I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray with you. I said that prayer this morning. I needed to get some things right or... Maybe you just knew for sure you needed to get saved. And I know this morning I've nailed it down. I prayed this morning. I've asked Christ to forgive me of my sins and save me. And I'm going to walk out of here different than what I was when I came in because of what Jesus did for me. If you prayed that prayer this morning, ask him, say, if you raise your hand high right where you're at, hold it up high. Thank you. Hold it up high. Thank you for those hands. Hold them up high. All anywhere, anywhere in the building, hold them up high. I can't see where people standing. Hold them high. Hold them high. Thank you so much for the hands. You can put them down. You can put them down. Thank you so much for the hands. 
Thank you that the blood of Jesus still washes away sins. Thank you that the Son of God is still in the soul-saving business. Thank you that God still loves us the way that He did, that grace is sufficient and mercy is forever. Thank you, God, for loving us in spite of us. All these are 